everybody, and welcome to episode 76 of Our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the baseball subreddit. I'm Nime. We have no other segment this week because there's so much news. I am joined by Phil to talk about the news of the week in baseball. Phil, how's it going? I am doing great, Nime. How are you? I am doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yeah, I was uh, I was out of town for a couple of weeks uh, and also hosting the show from out of town for a couple of weeks. I've been, you know, like we, we have a nice rotation a lot of times, but like it's just been either Maz or Lewis or like has been busy or sick. And, and usually like, you know, I can be second chair or first chair. And I think generally otherwise everybody else besides Maz and Lewis is, is only ever second chair. Uh, not that I don't think any of you are capable. I think all of you are capable. It's just you. You, uh, I think you prefer to not be the host. <laughs> I, 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 I am the color commentary guy. I know my place, and I'm happy to serve that role. Yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of doing this from out of town, uh, I think my favorite favorite instance of recording this podcast was in the run up to the World Series in 2021. I had to. I was on a business trip in Las Vegas. Right. In, in I remember recording yeah. from a hotel room, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I've I had to. So you know, I bring my my uh, podcast setup everywhere I go. Like I have my nice home setup, and then I have like some backup setup with like you know my my like my backup setup is still like a three hundred dollar podcast setup. Um, so so I I bring that with me whenever I go somewhere because I know I'm, I might need to record. You might but, need to do an emergency uh, podcast. Exactly. So uh, the last two weeks I did it from, it was nice and easy. My cousin's place, I have a, you know, slept sleeping in the guest room. I didn't have a desk. I just set up on a, on a box, but that was fine. Otherwise, nice and easy. Uh, the, the one time, one week my parents uh, were in Chinatown in Chicago and I was like, okay, I'll come hang out with you, but I have to record a podcast. So while you're going out to dinner, I'll record the podcast from the hotel room. And then one week, uh, and you can go back. This is the Memorial day last year or no. Yeah. Last year, Memorial day, I think, uh, or labor day. Um, actually labor day. Yeah. Uh, we were in Milwaukee and again, we went out to eat and I had to record the podcast and literally it was in the back of my dad's car. I'm sitting in the back of the car with my podcast set up. Uh, it's Lewis and Lewis, Lewis and me. And I was like, I was recording on the computer and then I had my phone sitting with, that was on zoom to talk to Lewis, but then recorded it all on the computer. So it sounded great. Cause I, cause it was again, my, my $250 backup podcast set up. But the, the jankiness of the recording was a lot of fun. So you know what it sounds like to me, Naim, is that um, this podcast is preventing you from going out to dinner with your parents. No, no, we had we had already had dinner. They were going for a walk after dinner that oh, night. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I think, I think it was the same in Chinatown, too, now that I think about it. I think we went out to dinner, and then they were going out for a walk, and I was like, okay, cool, then I'll record the podcast where you guys are out for the walk. Okay, so I, I retract and restate that this podcast is preventing you from going on walks. Yeah, well, that maybe maybe that is true. That is, <laughs> I, I certainly should be going on more walks. I think maybe I'm just both. using the podcast as an excuse to not go on walks. I think that's, that's probably right. what it is. It's the same thing I do. That, and, you know, it's, yeah. uh, let's see, it's quarter to nine o'clock at night here on Sunday and it's uh it's a balmy 98 degrees outside in the city of Houston so you know it's it's been hot in uh, in Chicago and St. Louis too but right now it's a beautiful 72 it's been a really nice week it's gonna get back up to the high 80s next week which is still not as bad as it was in the beginning of June when it was in like mid high 90s yeah I, uh, I'll tell you this uh 
not this not this previous week, but the week before, I took the family, uh, which is why I was gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, spent the week in California, and I would give anything back to be in the wonderful weather of San Diego. California San Diego was an amazing state. I yeah. Oh man, I loved it. Loved it. Such a such a big change from walking around in hot pea soup all day like it is here. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk about baseball. Yes. Um, let's talk about baseball. Uh, and uh, we're not going to talk about San Diego, but we are going to talk about Houston. Uh, the Astros split their series with the Yankees, uh, two and two, uh, which, uh, you know, the Yankees have, have finally gotten their 50th win and their 20th loss uh, in the same week. We were, uh, we were keeping an eye out for that last week. And their 20th loss, Phil, was, no, it, was uh, a, it was a big one. Um, a loss for the ages. <laughs> so let's we'll, we'll run it back a little bit on the series. Thursday night. Uh, was a bit of a back-and-forth battle between Fromber Valdez and uh, uh, Jamison Tyon. Uh, Astros jumped out to an early 3-0 lead. Yankees answered, tied at 3-3. Astros again scored another three, or hit another three-run home run. It goes 6-3. And then uh, going into the ninth inning, uh, the Astros bullpen, uh, Ryan Presley, closer, had an absolute meltdown and coughed up the game. We were all very, very angry in Houston, as uh, Astros fans get. If you've interacted with any of them on Twitter, we're extremely irrational. Goes into who uh, goes into the to the following game, um, where it was a matchup between twenty uh, six year old Christian Javier and former Astro great Garrett Cole, where Christian Javier threw a combined no-hitter alongside of Hector Neris and uh, Ryan Presley redeeming himself on Saturday. Now, here's some interesting stats about this no-hitter. The Astros are the only team to no-hit the Yankees twice since 1950. The last no-hitter was a combined no-hitter in 2003. That was in old Yankee Stadium. This was the first no-hitter in New, in New Yankee Stadium. Only two pitchers have faced the Yankees and have allowed no hits with 10, 10 or more strikeouts. That's Christian Javier, who had 13. And way back in 1946, Bob Feller, who had 11 strikeouts. Of course, uh, Yankees again in our heated back-and-forth rivalry between, between the, uh, the Yankees and the Astros. Managed to pull out another ninth-inning ninth walk-off victory. Both of them attributed to Aaron Judge, who, aside from the no-hitter game, has played pretty spectacularly, uh, as has John John Carlos Stanton. But I gotta give it up to my little man, Jose Altuve, who had home runs in three consecutive games, proving that the more you boo him, the stronger he gets. <laughs> um, you know, Garrett Cole uh, just last... Or- Earlier this week, I think, uh, had a no-hitter going into the eighth inning uh, against the Rays. Uh, and then I think the Rays had a little bloop hit there. Uh, and then his very next start, his team gets no-hit. Uh, which, by the way, he also had a very good start. He struck out eight, four hits over he seven fanta- innings. Like He was fantastic through seven innings until he grooved a 98-mile-an-hour fastball right down the heart of the plate. And rookie J.J. Matijevich... Hit, had his second hit, which consequently was his second home run of the season, for about 416 feet into right field, and it was an absolute monster. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, you know, it was just still like, you know, single home runs, not not indicative of a bad start necessarily. Just uh, just rough when uh, when your team does absolutely nothing to, no, uh, on the other and, side. And, and uh, he had he held the Astros hitless until then, until the seventh inning. Yeah. So, so it was uh, it was quite the pitcher's duel. And um, it was a, a no hitter on both sides for yeah. seven innings. Yeah. And uh, the the interesting thing about it is the Astros are up three to nothing going into the going into the eighth, and uh, all all the the people I was watching the game with, we just kept looking at each other like the no hitter doesn't matter, the no hitter doesn't matter. We just have to beat the Yankees. And then as soon as it happened, it was we won, and oh yeah, there was a no hitter too, and it, it it felt. I mean, of course we ended up splitting the series, but um. If anything, I think this just reinforces all of the the talk around. I mean, I think a split for against a, a team as hot as the Yankees has been is is a pretty good result. Yeah, I think it ended a, a fifteen or sixteen game home winning streak. I mean, look, I, I'm not a fan of them, but they are an absolute legit baseball team. And if anything, uh, this was a potential preview for the eventual ALCS. And if so, it really, I really could be. I mean, this is this is like the third week in a row that we have have let off with. Hey, the Yankees are good at baseball, right? When they right. still are, you know. Besides, besides the no hitter, they still had a very good series. Like, yeah, well, I mean, uh, they did have a very, very good series, and, and don't let the box score belittle that. I will say that the Astros led every single game going into the ninth inning. Sure. Which, which is which is which and i say this more so to reassure myself I mean, that that's, that's <laughs> not that's, that's kind of not what you want to see uh with a with a 2-2 uh uh split that you led every game going into the ninth inning and uh and blew two of them but hey we led every game in the series Sure. Yeah. Hey, silver linings, my friend. Silver, silver linings. linings. You're right. Silver linings. Silver linings. Hey, look, Ryan Presley was part of a combined no hitter, despite you know blowing a couple games. Sure, and it was a, it, you know, uh, I think it was an absolutely ballsy move by Dusty Baker and Josh Miller to to give Presley the bump on the ninth in that game after getting absolutely shellacked two days before to build up his confidence. I, I mean. He is a closer. Uh, he's converted fourteen of or fifteen of seventeen saves this season. He's not the best closer in baseball. He's not the best closer in the American League, but he's a he's a he's a great closer. And after after having that kind of meltdown on Thursday night, and then going going in Saturday with the with the trust of his of his coaching staff, saying, "Okay, you got to get this done. You are the guy. Go do it." And then striking out too, and, and inducing a ground out on John Carlos Stanton. You know that that was it was a good confidence booster for him. And yes, the bullpen kind of fell apart in two games, but you know, it was. It's. I still walk away from the series feeling pretty good because uh, yeah. we got a no hitter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's that's a pretty good consolation prize. That yeah, is a great a... consolation prize. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna stick in the AL West. Uh, talk about something that happened today uh, in a Mariners Angels game. Uh, Jesse Winker got plunked in what seems like a very clear intentional hit by pitch. Uh, uh, I don't or, know how much more intentional that could have been. And like, uh, do do we know why it happened? So, the, in the in the limited analysis I watched on it, because I went from watching the Astros game and being sad, and then straight into Umbrella Academy and kind of flipping around. Uh, there. The Mariners apparently intentionally plunked Mike Trout a couple weeks ago, and there's there's been some bad blood. 
I don't, I, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, apparently on Saturday night, a pitch was very close to Trout's head on its, uh, like, and he was unhappy. He said, if you can't pitch inside, don't pitch inside. If you're going to hit me, hit me in the ribs. Don't hit me in the head. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if that's, that's the tough. intent, but anything at the head, you don't do that. Which, for what it's worth, I would doubt they were intentionally trying to hit him in the head. That very, very rarely happens. As, as uh, I, I doubt they were trying to hit him. Yeah, as I recall. I mean, maybe they were trying that, to hit him, that, but I doubt it. In that in that scenario where that happened, the Angels were either up a run or down a run with runners on and pretty late. So it was it was an, a super inopportune time for the Mariners to intentionally hit Mike Trout. So based on the context of of, it, of when it happened and how it happened going to, into this game, it didn't seem like it was intentional. But having some experience with intentionally hitting Mariners, it does happen. Yeah, and then and so what kind of happened is that uh, first the uh, Angel starter like buzzed Julio Rodriguez in the first inning. Didn't I don't think it counted as a hold on. I don't think it was a hit by pitch. Oh no, he hit him. Um, did he hit him? He's not. I don't see him taking a base. Whatever. Anyway, he the warnings got issued to both dugouts, and then. Uh, and then Winker got hit, and it looked like Winker was going to take his base, but then it seems like maybe somebody shouted something from the Angels dugout. By the way, as we're talking, this happened like a few hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, maybe maybe an hour or two ago, tops. Yeah, so like the, the story's still kind of unfolding. Although uh, MLB's Instagram and TikTok sure did make sure to release the video of. Uh, Rosael Iglesias taking the the bucket of I think it was sunflower seeds and then hurling the box out onto the field as the thirty plus packages of sunflower seeds went everywhere. Yeah, and then I think the most iconic moment, at least for me, in the in the kerfuffle was uh, Anthony Rendon, who of course is on the season ending IL for surgery on his right wrist, in a full cast sprinting to uh, to go fight some Mariners. Uh, yeah, uh, truly, I mean, like, as far as baseball brawls go, it's like, you know, it's probably a, a, a top, top 10 in the last few years. Yeah, uh, it, not was, quite. It, it wasn't a shoving match. There was, there was some wrestling. And yeah, there was some hits, yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's no room. like, it's no like, uh, Puig having already been traded to the, uh, to Cleveland in the middle of a brawl with, uh, with Pittsburgh, um, but like, it's up there, it's up there, it's a good brawl. So, <laughs> um. So it led to eight ejections, including uh, including Rosiel Iglesias, Ryan Zakara, uh, Jesse Winker, Julio Rodriguez, and Jason Uh And then both. and wants the pitcher himself, yeah. yeah. And wants and uh, both pitchers, obviously. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Some sparks I, I mean, flying in the AL West today. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh it's fun to be uh in th- uh third and fourth in the AL West, I guess. Um, you know, these are both teams that really like I wouldn't know. <laughs> right. These are these are both teams who who I don't think we expected to be down where they are uh in the division like oh, oh no, they in fact, both In fact, at the beginning of the season doing the doing the divisional preseason uh prediction podcast i believe i i said the mariners were going to be the team to break out when the angels closely behind them but uh i did not expect them to be you know a couple of weeks away from the all-star break and 
under 500. Yeah, and they're and they're not like that far below 500. Like they very well still could threaten something. I, I doubt the division itself, but maybe. Uh, I, I, if the right things break for them and the wrong things break for the Astros, you know, sure, like one of those type of things. Sure, sure. In in the just in hypothetical for the for the sake of a thought uh, a thought experiment, should something go completely wrong and the Astros melt down and have a 15 game losing streak like the Angels do? Or, or, or you know, the Met, the Mariners, or the Angels get red hot and are able to catch them. Sure, I could see them threatening, uh, but I. And this is not the Homer in me. I don't expect. No, I, I don't, I don't happen. really see it either. Yeah, uh, no, no. If, if anything, they're 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 going to be fighting for that second or second or third wild card spot, right. which uh, as of now are are all occupied by the AL East. Unsurprisingly, well, that's because the entire AL East is going to the postseason. I mean, yeah, everyone aside but from the, the Orioles. Orioles, you know, <laughs> aside yeah, from the Orioles, who are not that's playing bad that's... baseball, by the way. Yeah, the Orioles who have the same record as the Mariners, uh, which oh. is, you know, I know very frustrating to Mariners fans. Um, yeah, well, you know why the Orioles are doing so well? It's it's on the back of their, their rookie sensation, Adley, the Flying Rutschman. The Flying Rutschman. Oh, I almost forgot about the Flying Rutschman. We can't uh, we can't go without mentioning the Flying Rutschman. I know. I know. I've noticed uh, it's it's caught on on the subreddit, and it it's it makes me smile. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, hey, let's let's talk about another rookie playing for uh, a not great team. Uh, I just want to real quick mention O'Neill Cruz, who uh, has already like had what the, the highest exit velocity for the Pirates. Uh, I think it was another thing that he did, uh, and then also threw a ball ninety-seven miles an hour from shortstop to first base. So <laughs> my man is out there looking like Henry Rowan Garter from Rookie of the Year, blasting you know one hundred and twenty-five mile an hour frozen ropes across the diamond. Absolutely killer. Uh, hey, you know, maybe maybe, uh, maybe O'Neill Cruz can pitch in, in a pinch. You know, just you just, know, somebody asked him that I believe after after a game, and he was like, "You think you can take ninety seven off the mound?" He's like, "If they put me there, I'll do it." <laughs> He's I, like, I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it one bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like. Uh, it, it hasn't been a, a great time to be a, a Pirates fan in a while, but uh, there's a lot of good young talent and, and O'Neill Cruz sort of leading the way. And I'm, I think there's some, there's some good things happening. They're not happening. You know, they're not, it's ultimately not going to impact the season very much, but there's some things for Pirate fans to be excited about in the future. And don't worry. Y'all get to raise the Jolly Roger soon. I can see it. happening. Yeah. Yeah, if they're they're a fun team. They got they got fun pieces. They're in third place in the NL Central. I mean, they're twenty nine and forty three, but uh, <laughs> third place is third place. And you know, you take it's it. it's, a, it's bronze medal. Yeah, I I don't I don't I mean you know the NL Central outside of uh, of the Cardinals and Brewers has been quite bad um, for a but, uh, long time too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I don't, uh, I, I, Pirates third just never felt like a thing that was going to happen. They just like it felt like they were, they were a weaker team than than the uh, the Reds and the Cubs. And uh, I mean, so far they sure aren't. Uh, well, I mean, you know, uh, we've both been NL Central fans. Uh, I mean, it's it's been a, a couple of years for me. But you and we've had this conversation before about being in the NL Central. Is it's it's these five teams who are all fighting for 
you know, in in eighty six and eighty six and fifty eight record. I'm sorry, eighty six and fifty six record, or an eighty two and eighty record, just just to sneak in and win the NL Central. It's yeah. all the all five of these teams just beating the crap out of each other. The, the eighty three and seventy nine World Series champion Cardinals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember. Exactly. <laughs> you know. um, yeah, but like, you know, th- th- there have been years like there was the 2015 where like the Cardinals, the Pirates and the Cubs all had like 97 wins or whatever. Right. Um, so then like the 2016, it, the Cubs. They did what now? I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the centrals, the central divisions have always sort of been like overlooked and uh, very easy to just like have a, a bunch of bad teams because nobody's really paying as much attention as they are. I mean, on the coast, same thing can kind of be said about the AL Central. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, the 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 White Sox. I mean, let's move on to the White Sox because their skid uh, has ended. Uh, Dylan Cease through a 13 strikeout game. Uh, you know, I would say their their skid has has paused. Maybe. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say ended. I would say momentarily interrupted. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Yo Mankata's back from the IL, but like he had already been having a rough season anyway. I think I dropped him in my fantasy league. Like, it's. Uh, it's t- it's tough. The White Sox season has been very tough. I know this is a conversation I had with, uh, <clears throat> I believe it was Lewis earlier this season, where he still thought that the, the White Sox were were a team to beat in the Central this season. And I think that I think even with Yoan Moncada returning, they still have what nine or ten players on the IL still, and yeah, uh, you've got the rest of the starters who are still you know the field medic hospital of baseball. Still getting I mean, out like as as we approach July and they continue to be a sub five hundred team, it's harder and harder to to think of them as any sort of threat in the division. But Tony sure, Larusa is still around. Well, not only that. Speaking of Tony Larusa, spoke to the press this weekend and stated that he's going to instruct his, his his offensive players to not run too hard on sure outs to save their legs. Just like that is the, that? the <laughs> it's like that is the most uh, I, I it's just it's it's so it so rattles the brain because like he's an old school baseball guy and that's so anti old school baseball I don't understand it uh, I, 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 I I have I'm I'm listen to me I'm stuttering I have nothing I I, 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 I what, truly what I truly have nothing on that yeah I I have to imagine that he's got to be gone after this season. If he makes I, it through I, the entire season. You know, two weeks ago, Dylan said he was going to be gone by the end of last week's episode. Or by, by, the, by the time we recorded last week's episode, he wasn't. Uh, and it's another week later, he's still there. And it's just like, I don't know. Maybe they're waiting for the All-Star break. Like, this, that's, is this that's, season. That's my bet. And I'll, I'll tack on to Dylan's prediction and say, I, I am going to go on record and say, I think Tony LaRusso will be gone by the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by it, but the longer and longer they wait, the more and more I'm like, are they going to get rid of him? Or are they just like happy to let him sit for the rest of the season? If it's if it's a loss, it's a loss and then dump at the end of the season. Like it's such a it's such a such a disappointment uh, of a season for the White Sox, especially, especially considering how good that, they you know, were last year. 
saw how good they were last year. And, and, you know, you kind of expected, I mean, we all expected them to handily win the AL central with, with no real competition. And, you know, the twins were better than expected, but you sure. still like, you know, you would still expect them to be at the top of this division, the white Sox, and, and they very much are not. They're third place and they're sub 500. Like right. and put, put your podcast listeners in, in YouTube nine, put your hand up. If you had, the Cleveland Guardians leading the AL Central with the All-Star break on your bingo card. Okay. Well, well put your hands down because get... you're liars. We're not we're not there quite yet. Hey, maybe maybe D just was maybe D just said that. Who knows? Yeah. Um well then he would have been right. There's there there's some Guardians fans. Actually, I'm pretty sure he didn't say that because we have recording of it. Uh, he was he was <laughs> on that episode. Um, we can go back and listen. Maybe he did. I forget now. I was I was there, but I don't remember for sure if if. Uh, but I I do remember him saying that the the Guardians might surprise and threaten. Uh, and they're again they're not in first place yet, but they're not that far back from first place. They're only a couple of games back. They, they very well. At some point earlier this week, they did have they were in first place in the Central, and then. I think it right. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the Twins have had had strong games too. Like, But they, they very well could be in first place at the All-Star break. And uh, yeah, I mean, good for the Guardians. But again, you know, the, I think they're one of those teams who was like a, I expect them to be good next year and they're good a year early, you know, like, which which isn't as big of a surprise as some other things, I think. Uh, it's cool. It's great for the Guardians, but it's yeah, like absolutely. one of those teams that are like that you kind of expect it to be like, okay, this will be a 2023 team, and they turn out to be a 2022 team instead. Yeah, good for the Guardians. Um, yeah, Wait, for the I'm Guardians. waiting for the major league reboot. <laughs> uh, a couple of other notes uh, I I want to hit on. Um, just some some quick IL notes. Uh, Bryce Harper got hit in the thumb by a pitch from Blake Snell. Uh, going back to San Diego, hey, we tying it all back together. Um, is likely out indefinitely. I mean, it's a fractured thumb. You know, that's that's probably at least six to eight weeks, you, uh, if not longer. See, did you happen to see it on video? I did not see it on video. So so the pitch came up and in and hit Bryce Harper on the hand. And, of course, Bryce Harper, you know, is a master of even keel emotions. Uh, <laughs> was, was was very upset. I mean, I I completely understandably. Yeah, I mean, it broke his thumb. It broke, it broke <laughs> like... his thumb. So he, he looked out, he looked out uh, at the mound at Blake Snell uh, very angrily. And, of course, Blake Snell was apoplectic about it and absolutely apologetic and you know you could tell he was really concerned uh yeah he didn't hit him on purpose he just sucks right yeah hasn't always sucked he's good with the race he used to be he used Uh, to be quite good yes he used to be quite great uh yeah it's it's that's uh it's it's some tough news for phillies fans who the phillies looks like they you know they they look like they've been showing signs of life uh now their offense is going to be carried by 220 hitting nick castellanos yeah, I mean, this is this is a it's a season altering pitch, right? Like, and that just it, yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> like, as you know, like it's, there's, no, there's it's, only to, to quote the Yankees. It's not what you want. It's uh, it's it's hard to weather losing your best hitter for six to eight weeks. You know, the Braves did it last year and won a World Series out of it, but they you did? can't really expect anybody to do that every year. <laughs> I thought the World Series was canceled last year. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh. I don't know. I think we got recordings of you talking about the World Series last year. Uh, uh, yeah, so you're going to put me on the spot about that. 
<laughs> Sorry, it's uh, that. That's what happens when you join the podcast for the World Series and, uh, and continue okay, so we, on. So, we, so, the next we, so there's we have two transition options. We can either continue on the Phillies or continue to talk about the World Series winning Braves. So um, choose your own adventure. Well, I, I do, I do want to real quick mention also uh, that Chris Bryant is eyeing a return. Wander Franco came back from the IL. Chris Chris Bryant has been very injured all year. Um, you know, he's, as he's, a biased Cardinals fan, games, I think he's pretty right? washed. Yeah, he's got like seventy six plate appearances this year. Like, it's not good. It's not no. like, especially after that big contract they gave him uh, in Colorado. It's it's uh, yeah. It's tough. Um, the Rockies have been bad. I mean, it, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think Chris Bryant. I mean, like he already had been declining um, for a couple of years. Uh, it's, you know, he's he's fine. I don't think it was worth the contract they gave him, but. I guess we'll see. We'll see, you know, if and when he comes back and how he hits. But, uh, you know, you know he, he, he's still very handsome. Though. Yeah, is he, though? At is least he? he has that going for him. Is he? Um, let's let's let, let us keep talking about the Phillies because I actually really like this story. Uh, now, Mark Appel, former, former first round pick Mark Appel, was called up to the major leagues for the first time as a relief pitcher for the Phillies this past weekend. Uh, he is 30 years old. Uh, he was the first, was he the first overall pick in 2013? Yeah. Do you happen to know which team picked him? Was it the Houston Astros? It sure was. Uh, it sure was. The the uh, very bad 2012 Houston Astros picked Mark Appel first overall in 2013. He languished in the minors, ended up on the Phillies for a few years, retired from baseball in 2017, uh, and then in 2021 decided he was going to try to make a comeback. And he had a 1-6-1 ERA, I think, in AAA this year. That's correct. Uh, this is one of those things where I was, uh, you know, uh, so I used to do a podcast many, many years ago uh, called Podcast for a Rain Delay. Uh, and uh, the, my co-host on that show was a guy named Nick Applebaum. Uh, good guy, good, still a good friend of mine. But Applebaum was spelled A-P-P-E-L-B-A-U-M. And I would always end like A-P-P-E-L-B-A-U-M, just like Astros pitch or Astros prospect Mark Appel. Later, Phillies minor leaguer Mark Appel. We never got around to former Phillies minor leaguer Mark Appel because the the show didn't you know didn't go past 2017 or whatever. Um, but I mentioned it to him yesterday uh, that like Mark Appel's finally in the majors, and he was like, I don't know. I wonder if this says more about the Phillies. I'm like, I he's been a good like he's had a good season. Like I think he really earned the call up. It's not like one of those things where they really needed an arm and Mark Appel was the one guy like he had he had been pitching really well in the minor leagues he earned a call up and uh it's just great to see you know um i i was a bit salty about how the 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 handling uh and interaction between the astros and mark appell post draft went down and then you know his eventual move to the phillies but was was it, he the one that like had like an, a UCL issue and stuff like that happened, or was that? Am I thinking of uh, somebody else? You were thinking of the guy, and I, his name escapes me. The guy that oh we gosh. ended up getting the sandwich pick that turned into Alex Bregman, and that was I, his name. I think. Uh, I yeah. I, I I remembered it two days ago. Brady Aiken. Brady Aiken. Yeah, that's correct. Brady Aiken. Yeah. Uh, I, those two guys are so interlinked in my mind, uh, Aiken and Appel. 
I'm, but anyway, you're saying about Mark Appel. Yes. Um, so I the, the story I popped or came across the story earlier this week that he was getting the call up to the bigs and how his success in AAA, as you mentioned, having the one six one ERA. And I think he had a quote where he said, "At this point, it's all just gravy. I'm just happy to be pitching wherever I can." You know, I think he took a, he took two or three years off and uh, went back to a normal profession like the rest of us have, but. It's 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 really awesome for him to to take one more shot at his dream and to be performing so well at it and to finally get that chance to pitch in the big leagues and make some big league money and uh, get to see some real competition. You know, it's baseball, and I'm not an athlete, but I, I I've I've known a, a few professional baseball players in my many many years. Uh, it's a it is a long road and it is a difficult road. You're talking about Athletes who start playing the game of baseball five or six years old in camps and trainers and practicing in the backyard every night. And you're doing this for 20 plus years, uh, not to mention the toll it takes on your parents, you know, having to shuttle you around to club games or you know tournaments on the weekends or during the summer. And for all of that hard work to finally pay off, I think is I think it should be applauded. And I hope nothing but the best for Mark. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't made a appearance yet, uh, unless he did today. Um, he's only just been up for a game or two, right? Yeah, yeah, for a game or two. So, like, so he's you know just hasn't had a chance to come into a game yet. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see him come into a game. It's it's a. I mean, it's it is a like just a great baseball story, especially with such a, it's such a weird start, you know. Um, where you know he was drafted eighth overall by the Pirates, I think, and then decided not to sign, uh, and then got drafted first overall by the Astros, and then you know injuries and whatnot. Uh, Brady Aiken honestly had a fairly similar story, um, uh, except his was he got picked by the Astros, and then the Astros under offered him and he decided to wait another year. And then there was injury stuff. Uh, and, and Aiken got released by uh, Cleveland last October. Um, but he's still, I believe officially in baseball. He's a free agent. He's 25 years old. Um, he just has had a lot of injury stuff. So it would be very cool to see if Brady Aiken makes a return too. But, uh, but as far as Mark Capel goes, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pumped for him. Like, that's awesome. I'm excited to see him get into a major league game and I'm, I hope, uh, I'm really I hope excited. Philly's fans cheer their heads off for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm waiting for the eventual Netflix movie that comes out in 2025 starring Oh, it can't be Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner's too old, and that was already He's way too oh, no, old. That was Dennis Quaid. That <laughs> <laughs> was Dennis Quaid who did the rookie. Yeah, oh, was Dennis Quaid the rookie? Esque, uh, rookie Jack Quaid. Style. It'll be Jack Quaid. Dennis Quaid's son. Yes, it'll be Jack Quaid. For, you know, uh, of of the greatest television show on right now, The Boys. Of the Boys' fame, yeah. Um, people, people were making the rookie jokes in the, in, you know, Jack Quaid even kind of looks like not like a lot like Mark Capel, but enough like Mark Capel that it's like. I could see enough, it enough. I could see it. it in the in the same way that Chris Pratt looks like. Um, oh, what was his name? Scott Dave? Hatterberg. Yeah, Scott Hatterberg. He, he didn't yeah, look yeah. It was just just enough in passing where you're like, oh, okay, I can kind of see it. Uh, uh, Jack Quaid's also six one. Mark Appel's six five. Like they're all they're both thirty years old. 
It's great. It's hey, perfect. It's perfect. Hey, hey Netflix, uh, not not only sponsor us, but uh, Nime and I can write the screenplay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Writer producers. Absolutely. The the rookie two. <laughs> the rookie two electric boogaloo. Um, uh, it's writing itself r slash baseball podcast listeners you're you're, you're listening to it happen live live in real time Uh, if if Netflix makes a movie with Jack Quaid about Mark Appel uh, this counts as our copyright Uh, (laughs) and I'll be retaining (laughs) absolutely Um, All right, let's talk a couple other quick notes Uh, let's go back and stick in the AL uh, sorry the NL East Uh, Freddie Freeman returned to Truist Park uh, for the first time as a Dodger Uh, the Braves played in LA earlier this year but this was the first time that Freddie Freeman returned to Truist Park and you know he showed his emotions Um, you know he I he cried a bit like it, it it is emotional you know the dude spent 11 years of his life or whatever 12 years of his life playing for that team in front of that crowd um, I, I don't see why him being emotional about it was such a big story i mean if any any of us had been in a similar position we would have done the same thing yeah absolutely uh you know i i i didn't see the specific i, I saw like i i honestly i will say uh, on a positive note of that, I feel like I saw more about like more positivity about the emotion or than I saw like, you know, anything Negative. like anything else. Yeah. Like, um, I, I, you know, the, the, when I, the top story on ESPN was he deserved every second of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like it's, you know, overwhelmed with emotion to return to Atlanta. But like, I'm, I'm sure there were people who were like, you know, why are you blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, you made this choice, whatever, but like, whatever. I think, I think most of what I saw was positivity about, about him, you know, showing his emotion. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, that's I've, good. I've, I've said it countless times on the podcast, especially back during the world series preview from last year that I, I am an unabashed Freddie Freeman fan. I really like the guy. I think he's a quality human being. He, you know, he's altruistic. Gives back to the community. He took. He took. He took a contract with the Dodgers. It was a business decision. So there shouldn't be any hard yeah. feelings about that. And and the fact that the Braves fans were so receptive to him coming back and he got a standing a, a, a standing ovation in all three of the games where they played the video and and he was emotional each time. You could tell how much that city, that stadium, and that team meant to him. And, yep. and that's a good thing, and it should be it should be looked at as a positive experience for everyone involved. He also uh, got his World Series ring uh, on this road trip, which is in itself an emotional experience. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, not a whole lot else to say about it, but uh, not as emotional uh, as Jock know. Peterson getting his in San Diego, San Francisco. San Francisco. Oh yeah, um, San Diego, uh, Tommy Pham, fantasy baseball, it all gets confusing. <laughs> Tommy Pham is the next Padre. That's why it's all rolling around in my head. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, side, that, uh, side note. Side note. Did you did you happen to see Alex Bregman's baseball reference page updated uh, with the title of being Tommy Pham's fantasy baseball champion? I did. I did <laughs> see that. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was uh, I believe it was Mike Trout Mike officially because yeah, Mike, Mike Trout's Trout. Mike Trout's the commissioner of the league. Uh, you all had more to more, expect like, with me coming on the podcast that I was going to bring up the Astros a bunch of times because that's what I'm here for. 
<laughs> you know, there wasn't, unfortunately, not a lot of uh, Cardinals news for me to bring up, but, uh, you know, I've, I've done it a lot in, in, in past weeks. I'll, you know I like I'll let, uh, Cardinals with you. I'll let, I'll let Phil drop I'll, some. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't, uh, didn't Albert Pujols steal third base the night before last for the first time? Uh, I, I, did I, he? I swear I, I saw it pop up on the news ticker that, uh, that Albert Pujols had, uh, Albert Pujols had stolen third base. I don't think he he has one steal this year, and I think it was earlier this year. Um, I haven't watched the last couple of games because I've been in Chicago. After it happened, too. Yeah, I, I, I he stole a base like a month ago, uh, but I think that's the only base he's stolen this year. Uh, he did. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, I mean, listen, it's, 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 it's fun. Cardinal baseball. They, they dropped a second in the division, but you know, there's, there's plenty of, of season to go. They're only a game back. Um, Hey, let's, uh, uh, there's no segue here. Uh, Austin Hayes hit for the cycle this week. Speaking of people (laughs) who are also hitting for the cycle. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just like, uh, just like Freddie Freeman, uh, Austin Hayes of the Baltimore Orioles hit a cycle and it was done by the sixth inning. He got, he got it out of the way quick. Um, I, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about it. It's a cycle. Uh, it was the, the third one of the month, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. Austin Hayes for the cycle, man. So he's got six player in Orioles history. Yep. He, so he's got it. So as uh, as Maz and I were talking about a couple weeks ago, he's got to hit for the cycle three more times, and then he can uh, hit for the cycle for the cycle. Hit for the cycle for the cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There you um, it was against the Nationals, by the way. Uh, uh, against uh, Patrick Corbin. Uh, where he hit the uh, single, an infield single in the first inning, a solo home run in the third, a two-out triple in the fourth, and then in the sixth, it was a double against Steve Ciszek. He actually specifically said he was thinking about it, and he was thinking, like, if he grooves a slider to me in the middle of the plate, that's my double, and that's exactly what happened. And so I'm, I'm surprised know. he got the hardest part out of the way that early on. It's it, it, most of the, tr- the cycles I've ever watched, it's usually the, the triple that's you know, the last part. Well, I think that's always, I mean, that's, that's, it's the hardest. I one feel to like hit. it's the hardest to hit. So I feel like I do see that from time to time where the, where the triple is last, but that's the thing that's always the most impressive. Right. Whereas I feel like, I feel like most cycles don't have the triple last. I feel like that's what's the most impressive part is like, a lot of times you'll see a guy who's, you know, three for three or three for four with a single, a double, and a home run. He's like, if he just hits a triple, if he just hits a triple. Um, it's whereas, not, it's actually know. the inverse where he's got the he's got a, a, a single and a triple and a home run. Oh, well, he's just got the double lift. Just got to get, get a double. Exactly. It's a lot, it feels a lot easier. Yeah. Right. Um, Cool. Well, that's all the news we have. We do have one quick, uh, since we've got a little bit of time, and we, uh, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about all-star voting. Uh, we, I think, got our first all-star voting update of the year. It was um, uh, like three days ago. Like three days ago, yeah. So the all-star voting has started. Uh, you go to MLB.com to vote. Um, just want to real quick talk about uh, the the leaders and, and where we think they're going to potentially uh, change. So right now, it looks like the catcher for the AL is almost certainly going to be Alejandro Kirk. First baseman is almost certainly going to be Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know, they're ahead by... I mean, Alejandro Kirk's ahead by like 
700,000 votes, 600,000 votes. So like that feels, you know, pretty, pretty solid. Glad Guerrero Jr. deserves to be the all-star, all-star first baseman. So that's pretty easy. Uh, Jose Altuve is only about uh, 190,000 votes ahead of Santiago Espinal. Um, you know, that might be some, uh, some Blue Jay ballot box stuffing. Um, I voted for Altuve with my 10 votes. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, Devers and Ramirez uh, at third base. That's the real tight one. I think Jose Ramirez is, is most deserving. Not that Rafael Devers isn't, but I mean, Jose Ramirez has been maybe the best player in baseball this year. Yeah, I don't, I think it's kind of hard to argue with that. Uh, at least all around. I know there's arguments to be made for, for what Aaron Judge is doing in New York. Um, and, sure. and even... I know the 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 rumor the, the the swirling around has just recently started, but you know the ridiculous numbers that Jordan Alvarez is putting up uh, for the Astros as a as a part time as a part time outfielder uh, that obviously I, I think kind of disqualifies him from the MVP race. Although I wish I could I wish that was not the case, uh, but yeah, Jose Ramirez is on another planet this season. And, you know, it's interesting to me that, that Jordan is leading uh, Shohei Otani as the DH. Um, he he might win. Otani might pick up votes later on. Uh, but, you know, Otani is, is kind of the face of baseball right so now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the, the bias slant and then also the... I think I want to be very clear. Jordan Alvarez is a great hitter and a great player and deserves to be an all-star. So I, I can see him... You do make a good point. You're surprised that he's leading over Shohei Otani as the DH uh, because of how popular Shohei is. I mean, who doesn't like Shohei Otani? I know I do. But uh, if you if you look at the you look at the batting average, on base percentage, slugging, OPS, home runs, uh, and then the ridiculous. I think he's hitting like four four fifteen plus this month alone. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is putting up like video game numbers yeah. right now. Um, He's leading. He's leading the majors in OPS and OPS plus. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very deserving of going to the All Star yeah, game. Although I, I, I share that sentiment that I'm that, and it, it's the the All Star vote is kind of a popularity contest. And yes, I am kind of surprised. Right, but uh, also that, that and Shohei is Shohei is you know one of the most popular players in baseball. Right. Was Deser- the MVP last so. year? Deserving like, so. yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, like, even if he doesn't get voted, I'm sure Shohei's going to the All Star oh, game absolutely. regardless. But, uh, but it's uh, it is it's just it's fascinating to me that he's not uh, he's not winning that vote. Uh, shortstop at the in the AL is the tightest vote, uh, with Bo Bichette uh, leading, but he's only sixty thousand votes ahead of third place Xander Bogarts, uh, and and also Tim Anderson is right there with with Xander. Uh, so very very tight race for shortstop. Uh, really could go anywhere. I think Xander might even end up, you know know as as a late season push comes with the Red Sox have a lot of fans and the White Sox have been very disappointing uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Xander Bogarts ends up pushing for for the starting shortstop spot there. my vote is for Bo Bichette solely because his because of his name and I like to irritate my wife walking around the house going Bo Bichette Boba Fett, you know, like Han Solo did in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boba Fett. What do you mean Boba, Boba Fett? Yeah, yeah. What do you mean Boba Fett? Boba Fett. The Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> uh, <laughs> These are things we think uh, about, the- people. <laughs> in the outfield, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout uh, are the two, again, almost certainly locks, uh, followed by George Springer, John Carlos Stanton, Taylor Ward, Byron Buxton, who are all within 200,000 votes of each other. Uh, Springer... 
is leading that that pack, uh, but again, really could go kind of any of those guys. I think my vote, I think I voted Judge, Trout, and Buxton because Buxton has been so good, uh, is, is the face of the Twins who have been a surprise this season uh you know i think if i I think again he's he's one of those guys who if the if he doesn't get voted as a starter he is certainly going to be the twins representative Uh, and proving again why i will never be a hall of fame voter uh i voted for i voted for judge trout and kyle tucker (laughs) because listen i listen my entire uh, national league ballot was was like seven cardinals so i get it i can't uh i I can't blame you tucker's tucker is quietly having a pretty excellent season um if if george springer is the third outfielder of course i'm over the moon because i i am i absolutely love george springer uh so i would be excited to see him in an all-star game Yep. Uh, but yeah, my, it's Mike uh, Trout and then Aaron Judge and then, you know, a battle for for that third spot. Over in the National League, uh, we're starting in with catcher Wilson Contreras leads by quite a wide margin uh, past Travis Darno and Yadier Molina. Uh, Do you think Wilson Contreras is I, even a cub by the All-Star break? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, I think maybe he gets traded shortly after the All-Star break, but I do think that he will be a Cub by the All-Star break. I know break. we get tied but to we'll him see. quite it, a bit. It would, be, it would be fascinating if it's one of those things where he wins the vote and gets traded to an American League team and then has to wear just like National League, <laughs> <laughs> like generic. Who was it? That was it Jeff Samarja <laughs> in like 2014 who had to wear his like generic American League yeah. gear because he got traded to the Giants? Uh, well, hey, you know, uh, Jim Click, Dusty, Dusty Baker, if you're going to do, if you're going to pull the trigger and go for Wilson Contreras uh, or Wilton Contreras. Wilton? Yes. Wilson. Wilson. There is a Wilton Contreras. Like the, like the yes, volleyball. Wilson. Wilson! If you're gonna if you're gonna go get Contreras, uh <laughs> do it at the All-Star game and he can ride home on the plane with Dusty. But yeah, also don't do that. Uh by the way, Samarja was an A. He got traded from the Cubs, but it was so it was generic National why, League why gear. Why do I always think of Jeff Samarja as a giant? He was a giant for a long yeah. time. I always uh, anytime yeah, yeah. Jeff Samarja's name comes up, I always think, oh yeah, he was a giant for a long time. Jeff Samarja was most recently a that giant, that, that which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a, he was a Cub f- for until 2014, right. traded to the A's, then the White Sox and the Giants from 2016 to 2020. So yeah, most recently he was a giant. So that's reasonable. yeah. I remember I remember him being being a Cub, uh, and then I remember him being a giant, and then he went to the American League, and I stopped paying attention because. I didn't watch a whole lot of American League baseball. Well, he was, he was only in the, he was in the American League between the Cubs right, and the Giants. Right. He was it was it was Cubs and then A's, White Sox, and then Giants. Right. So, yeah, this um, has been the Jeff Samarja uh, hour. The Jeffs, yeah. <laughs> uh, we will talk all all week about the Shark. All Samarja um, all the time. I, I, you know, I, I don't think Yadier Molina is deserving of an all-star selection this year, but I would not be surprised if he goes just as a farewell type yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I would be okay. Uh, you know, it's one of those things of like, yeah, like, you know, he's Yadier Molina, he, he, you know, potential, possible, likely Hall of Famer. If you want to listen, last week we, there was a Foolish Baseball interview. I want to go back and watch the Foolish Baseball Yadier Molina video. Uh, <laughs> I watched that one uh, quite regularly. Uh, first base, Paul Goldschmidt leads. Uh, he's ahead of Pete Alonso by 300,000 votes. I think votes. he's the top vote getter in the National of, League, isn't he? Freddie Freeman by quite a bit. He's not the top vote getter in the National League, no. 
The top vote getter in the National League is Mookie Betts. No, but, uh, uh, but, but Gold, he's like he's he's not. In, I'm not even sure if, if Goldie's top five. Gold, I think he might be the fifth highest Goldie vote getter in the National is League. Leading the the NL MVP race now. He is leading the NL MVP race. Uh, he's been having a great season. Uh, very deserving to start the All Star game. Very deserving to be the MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll gush about Paul Goldschmidt all day if you if you don't stop me. So we're gonna keep moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anybody would be upset if Paul Goldschmidt is the starting NL first no, baseman. Um, uh, unless you're a, a salty D backs fan, in which case. I understand. I sympathize. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, second base. Second base, again, very tight here. A lot tighter than the AL, which is the shortstop is a much tighter race. Uh, Jazz Chisholm has 634,000 votes, but is only 50,000 votes ahead of Jeff McNeil, who, again, is in third place. Uh, and Ozzy Albee's in the middle there. Um, Jazz Chisholm has been putting up a really great season. I think he's very deserving of an all-star selection, very deserving of starting. He's a very fun uh, baseball player w- to watch, too. Yeah, uh, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if the big market Braves or Mets make a later push and and push their guys up to ahead of Chisholm. Sure. Uh, but Chisholm, I think, uh, is almost certainly a lock to be the Marlins selection to the All Star game if if he isn't the starter. So, yeah. Uh, third base, Manny Machado leads by quite a bit ahead of Nolan Arenado and Austin Riley. To the surprise of no um, one. Yeah, I mean, Machado's really, really, really good. Arnado's been having a, a, a really good season as well. You know, he, he could end up getting a selection as a reserve player. Um, but uh, Manny's real good. Yes, he is. I, I, think, I think the only way anybody starts other than Manny is if Manny uh, gets injured or elects not to play the All-Star game for some reason, and they have to, uh, they have to get a last-minute replacement. Right. But... Uh, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Uh, shortstop, similarly not surprised. Uh, Trey Turner leads by quite a bit over Dansby Swanson and Francisco Lindor. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit surprised um, that Trey Turner is is out as far ahead of Dansby Swanson as he is, especially considering the insane season Dansby Swanson is having right now. Yeah, uh, the best shortstop in baseball, Tommy Edmond, is is in a distant fourth place. Uh, listen, look at the baseball reference page. He leads in war. I, 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 it's... It's just funny to hear those words, you know, out in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not Cardinals homerism. Tommy Edmond uh, leads all position players in baseball reference war. Uh, he is ahead of Mike Trout by, by two-tenths of a win. Uh, he's real good. Uh, a lot of it's def- defense. I get that. I get that. But he's had solid offense as well. He's a leadoff hitter for for uh, a very good Cardinals team. Uh, I think he. I would hope he gets picked as a reserve. Uh, it seems very unlikely that he'll that he'll make a start. Maybe he'll be like one of those um, uh, last chance selections or whatever they're called. For for and I, I had to check, but Naim is telling the truth. In fact, he's tied with uh, Sandy Alcantara for WAR leader in all of baseball. Yeah, that's crazy. He's good, man. Tommy Edmund. Tommy Edmund has had a quietly very good season. You know, we t- we we you mentioned earlier that Paul Goldschmidt is the leader for the NL MVP race, but he is, according to Baseball Reference, war the second best player on his own team. Yeah, I believe. Wow, you learn something new every day. Uh, uh, he is ahead of Edmund in Fangraphs' war. Edmund is eighth in Fangraphs' war, uh, just behind Dansby. Um, 
but uh, yeah, no, Edmund's good. Edmund's good. Well, keep an eye on Tommy Edmund. Uh, I've been, I was saying at the beginning of the season too, I think you can probably even go back to the season predictions where I said Tommy Edmund will like, he'll slide over to shortstop, you know, leave Nolan Gorman at second base and he will have a very good season at shortstop and might even win a gold glove there. Yeah, I I'm not 100% sure that. I said he, he might win a gold glove, but he very well could. I, I very distinctly remember you saying, look at you. Hey, uh, yeah. can I have some lottery ticket numbers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was a hard prediction to make. I think it was a pretty straightforward prediction. Uh, Gorman, by the way, is fifth place in uh, second base voting, but he's been having a, a nice, you know, rookie season. Uh, I'm sure he'll have plenty of uh, plenty of um, uh, all-star appearances uh, when it's all said and done. Um, designated hitter Bryce Harper is leading, uh, but... Bryce Harper seems very unlikely to be healthy for the All-Star game. So in second place is William Contreras not to be of the Braves. With Wilton Contreras. Wilson, not to be confused with Wilson Contreras, no, was, his brother. Wilson and Wilton. And William. Wilton. Who's Wilton? Oh my god, there's Wilton Contreras, there's Wilson Contreras, there's William Contreras. Uh in, in case you didn't know, William and Wilson are brothers. Uh uh William is also a catcher, uh, as well as a designated hitter. He's my fantasy catcher. Uh, um yeah, he's. I mean, he's 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 had a very very good season. I wouldn't be surprised if he is the starter. Albert Pujols is in third place, uh, which again seems like a very much a legacy award. Right. A hey, look, it's Albert Pujols. It's his last season. Put him in the All Star game. Wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Whether or not he makes it that far, but we'll see. Uh, and then in the outfield, uh, Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna Jr. at one and two. Again, not a big surprise there, much like the American League. In third place, Jock Peterson. Who is also quietly uh, having a pretty excellent season. Yeah. <laughs> Followed by Starling Marte, Juan Soto, Adam Duvall. Uh, I mean, Juan Soto feels like he deserves it, right? R- <laughs> much more so than the, than the ninth place outfielder, uh, Cody Bellinger, who... Okay, yeah, Cody Cody Bellinger just, you know, on on name alone. I mean, Harrison Bader, I'm surprised at 10th ahead of Tyler O'Neill at 15th. Tyler O'Neill has had a bad season so far, uh, but Harrison Bader is not like a, a world beater. He's a great defensive outfielder. I love Harrison Bader. Um, I, I I gave my vote to Tyler O'Neill, despite the fact that I know he doesn't deserve it this year. I think I voted... Uh, I think I voted Acuna Soto O'Neill... Uh, Based on O'Neill's last year production, not this year I production. Think I also voted uh, Acuna Soto. Acuna, I know I voted Acuna Soto and Starling Marte because sure. I'm yeah. because I'm still salty, <laughs> and I won't I won't vote. No, I won't vote for a Yankee, but I will vote for a Dodger. I think I think Acuna Soto. I think those might be the only two non-cardinals I voted for. <laughs> uh, to, to be to be fair, uh, my my all-star ballots have been pretty pretty homer, but uh, I did vote. I, I do I do vote for the, the the people that deserve it, unless you know it's Kyle yeah, Tucker. Yeah, like like I like I think I think Yachty and Pujols don't deserve I, it I on this year's merits, but because of career stuff, like if it, if I was if I was if it not for the fact that I, that I knew this was their last season, I might not have voted for either of them. Um, everybody else, you know, Gorman, I think I was a sort of a token. He's been a great rookie vote, but 
you know, Goldschmidt is in first for voting for a reason. Arenado's in second and voting for a reason. Edmund has been the best player in Major League Baseball per baseball reference. Uh, So I don't think I'm totally out of line voting for those three, you know? (laughs) In the the same respect why I voted for Jose Altuve, uh, he's been been pretty stellar this year. Maybe the, he's he's arguably the best second baseman in in the American League this year. Uh, But... I mean, he, again, he's winning the yeah. vote. He's winning yeah. the vote for And then, reason. you know, Yuli Gurriel has 206,000 votes and he's hitting below the Mendoza line. And I don't, I, that's, that's obviously a side effect of uh, us Astro fans getting out the vote. But, you know, I, I, even I couldn't right. vote for Yuli. That's just, I, I, yeah, I yeah. It's one of those things where we're, we're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, I, I, there's, there's, there's nothing that could get me to vote for Yuli Gurriel, even if I was an Astros fan, because he's been so bad yeah. this year. If he was good, he's been he's been quite a quite a disappointment uh, but uh yeah well that's that's all-star voting look uh again keep an eye out on all-star brackets uh you you can think you can vote i think 10 times a day five. um five, five times a day Five times a day. So vote early, vote often, uh, every 24 hours until uh, June 30th. So that'll be four or five days after this is released. Um, But vote. And then there's like a, so the player with the most votes per league will automatically win the starting spot at the position, uh, which right now is Mookie and and, uh, Judge. yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're, they are almost certainly locks. Uh, and then from the fifth through the eighth, there's more voting. I don't know exactly how it works. They changed it a little bit this yeah, year. There's a, I, um, I, I, I want to say it's the top two from each position are selected for a secondary round. And then that makes sense. Yeah. Sure. And then, uh, the, the, so, the winner so of that be, round yeah, is so it'll be like, so in this case, it'll be like Contreras, Dardo, right. Goldschmidt, Alonzo, right. Chisholm, Albies, Machado, Arenado, uh, Machado, Arenado, uh, Harper, Contreras, Turner, Swanson, and then Acuna, Peterson, Marte, Soto, Duvall with Betts getting in. Although Acuna could get in, he's very close behind uh, Mookie Betts, so he very well could. For, for outfielder, I think they take the top six. Yeah, they take the top six, but I think I think only the number one makes it, and then the other five probably will have well, to... Maybe it, I, I'm not I'm not 100 on that. It's it's an interesting way to to structure the All Star vote this year. So we'll see how we'll see how it works out. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see. Um, but yeah, MLB.com slash All Dash Star slash Ballot, uh, or just Google MLB All Star Ballot, and you'll find it there. Uh, cool. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. I think Phil, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, I. You and I on this is always a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun for me. And uh, I I quite enjoy being on here. So thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, and I'm just going to do the outro straight through. Uh, uh, Thanks so much for listening to you guys. Our Baseball Week Executive produced by Lewis. Our production administrator is Christine. I'm Nime. I hosted this episode. I also edited this episode. Phil joined me for the entire episode. Uh, Our... Theme music was composed by Chuck Lease. Our Baseball Weekly releases every Monday at 1 a.m. Eastern time before the Rooster Crows. And we'll see you next week. Bye.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mortal Kombat Talk. I'm not... No, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, 